Hey everyone, welcome back to Sworn Testimonies, a podcast where we promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. On this episode, Mary Claire shares some awesome fight tactics that might save your life in a dangerous situation. Keep listening. You're, you know, you're so good at, you're like Oprah. Like you make that person feel comfortable. Uh, that's the best um, compliment ever. Maybe I won't <laughs> Just be honest, 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 just be real, just be true, it's the only way to be free. Just be honest, it's the only way to be Just be real, just be true, it's the only way to be So first, I just want to start by asking you if you can tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. So my name is Marie Claire Sia, and I am actually a wellness um, manager for Loyola Marymount University and Loyola Law School. So I oversee wellness and safety for both of those campuses. Um, I've been in the fitness and wellness industry for over 20 years. Um, I'm also a martial arts instructor, um, been teaching over 10 years, and also congruently been teaching self-defense programs for over 10 years. Wow, so you do a lot. <laughs> how, how, and I'm, I'm curious to know, um, I know we talked a little bit about your background in the legal space, but how did mm-hmm. you get into teaching self-defense? Hmm. So my initial career pipeline was to be a lawyer. And initially I was very outraged by the rape laws 20 years ago. So you can rape someone 20 years ago and only get a slap on the wrist, like uh, three years in jail. Um, and so... I really thought I was going to pursue criminal law, if not human rights law. And uh, long story short, I wasn't able to finance uh, my dual degree, my MBA, my JD. So I just finished my MBA. And as I continued my own personal journey through uh, martial arts and fitness, uh, my, one of my instructors took me to help teach the police department in Inglewood, knife drill. And it just happened that I was also teaching at Dominguez Hill. And they asked to do a program, self-defense program, for their student body uh, around the same time. And it was very well received. And so ever since then, I've been able to put those two passions together. And um, I continue to do that um, today. Wow. I love that it started out as a passion for you. And, you know, Mm. as someone who graduated from law school, the cost of education Mm. is ridiculous and I know there are a lot of people who have taken that route but I I love that Mm -hmm. there are other ways to make a difference right like policy is necessary and we need people to focus on the law but you've really been able Mm -hmm. to I think address what your passion and concern was through um, teaching classes and you know we we talked a bit before as well about how you don't really like the term self-defense yeah I'm big on words and I'm I'm big on this concept that words can actually shape our realities. And when we're having these very intimate conversations, workshops, experiences, you know, we're really trying, or at least I am trying to encourage everyone to understand that they have a right to fight for their life because they are worthy and we mm-hmm. are worthy of them and their life and their existence. And so self-defense in a very practical or literal sense, defensive postures are very inward. So when you think of defense, um, your hands go up and then your chin is tucked in and you almost go into a ball. I mean, that's actually a defensive Mm -hmm. posture. But what we're asking in in a few seconds, if you're under attack, 
to respond and to actively fight for your life. And so it, the experiences become very nuanced because there's a layer of how many of us love ourselves enough to really want to fight for our lives right off the get-go. Mm-hmm. So wow. my workshops tend to be very holistic, I think, in nature or progressive in nature. And um, um, so just allowing us to, to take this word fight and it not to be aggressive, not to be angry, but just to know your worth and it's your worth, your peace. We're worth fighting for our own peace, for our own lives, for our livelihood, because we're all gifts. And I think right off of that, majority of the people who participate uh, uh, acknowledge themselves as females. So there tends to be high levels of low self-esteem, self-worth, et cetera. So a large part is about empowerment and getting that message across that it's not about being aggressive. It's not about uh, revenge. It's about honoring oneself and that the world needs you. So we want you to fight for your life. Wow. I love what you said about, do I even love myself enough to fight for Mm -hmm. my life? Mm -hmm. It's a very Mm -hmm. good question. And I've never thought about it that way, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. teaching yourself to protect yourself is really a form of Mm self-love. Do you, Mm-hmm. you find working with people is so when you know if someone were to come to your class how is that question addressed is it a conversation or, or what does that look like yeah oftentimes in my workshops I'll have um men or people who identify as male uh, assist because I do believe you need both energies at least in what I'm trying to do and then they will stay in the background and so I'll, I'll have all the people come forward, and that will be the first question is, how much do you love yourself? And it throws them off guard because they're ready to punch things and kick things. Yeah. But it really, yeah, and it really sets a good tone because the second question I'll ask, how many of you guys know someone, whether it be yourself, that's been sexually assaulted? And almost every hand always goes up. For the past 10 years, every hand goes up. Wow. And so the question is really about love. It's not about the fight. It's not about um, anything else. But it comes down to how much do you love yourself to if the moment ever comes that you're going to fight for yourself. Because when we leave that room, I will always tell them one less person in attendance would change the entire dynamic. And they have to know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And I mean, I've actually never taken any type of self-defense class my little sister's in college and she's Mm -hmm. actually taking a class called self-defense this semester Mm -hmm. which I think is so Mm -hmm. cool that they're offering things like that Mm -hmm. on a college Mm -hmm. campus I'm interested to the extent that you're allowed to share with us do you have stories from women or I know you mentioned it was mostly people who identify as women who come to your classes but do you have stories from participants who have had to use any of these fight tactics in the past and have they been successful at all? You know, I haven't been able to get feedback and, and maybe that's a good thing because the point yeah. is you don't want to have the tactics to ever you don't ever want to use them. And I think what I bring to the plate of the conversation is because I am trained in various different martial arts from, you know, uh, kicking, uh, punching, grappling, weaponry. And so I've experienced uh, my fight or flight system constantly being taxed. And I've had experiences where I'm immobilized and I'm actually very well trained, you know, so to speak, you know, all the years I've been training. And even I know that sometimes these these, uh, techniques will not work and they should never be promised. So when people are discerning different programs, I hope it's a mindful search and that their trust should not be given away so freely. Again, that's that love, that self-love piece, 
know that your life is so valuable that the people that you are calling instructors in front of you, that they're worthy of you too, so that their values and their morals connect with you too. And no one should ever say, this will always work. No, it won't. There's people on drugs. There's guys who get kicked in the groin and they can still keep going. Mm. You know, um, there's people on alcohol. Sometimes it's just physics. Their, their body mass is just too big for you. So the goal is don't use it. Just don't get in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never, to go back to your question, I've never been able to, to get feedback if it did work. Well, actually, no, I don't, I don't want to say that. There was a, a college, a, a college student one time came back up to me and she said, you know what? I took your class like a year ago and there was this opportunity in the bar and I, you know, palm striked them to the face. And so actually there was actually one and she was just so kind of like, um, like so happy-go-lucky about it. Yeah. It didn't register to me that I was like, oh shoot, you know. And she actually had she had was in a dangerous situation because she was so empowered and so confident, and she was almost talking about it like it was like another another day at the bar. Um, but I do offer this: the people who have been in these experiences, I do offer them the opportunity to become instructors and to assist in the seminars because it becomes you know full circle, and so wow. that's part of that empowerment piece. So you might not have an answer to this, but I'm curious. The majority of people who are coming to your class, are they people who have experienced some type of attack or assault in the past and they're looking for a way to make sure it never happens again? Or are people just coming because they're being proactive and they want to make sure they'll know how to defend themselves in case something does happen? Right. And I'm sure you know the statistics are extremely high. You know, something like one in three on the RAIN website, they tend to be like my benchmark for uh, statistics. Uh, it says 73 seconds. Every 73 seconds, there's, a, there's an assault, a sexual assault that occurs. So, and again, these are the ones that are reported. So most of the people that are in the room, they either know someone or they have themselves been in the experience. I have mm-hmm. several clients that they will open up and um, several actually um that will say that they've had uh, abuse and I've had two in one, one season that the abuse was almost uh, 12 to 14 years. Wow. wow. How do you manage carrying the weight of people's trauma? I know being an attorney, usually when people are coming to you, it's because they're trying to prevent a problem or they're trying to solve a problem that they've created and that just tends to be a very high stress situation for both parties involved and it can be hard to carry that weight. So when dealing with people who have been through heavy trauma, how do you manage to carry that? I think their pain ignites my my passion even further because I w- I'm always very um, transparent with them. I've never experienced you know, some of these assaults that are described out there, these nightmares. Um, And so I can never say that I know exactly what they're going through, and nor can anyone else, because everyone experiences trauma in their own way. But because I tend to be very empathic by nature, their pain becomes my outrage. And in my Mm -hmm. outrage, I tend to exemplify it in a very peaceful way. If they go up, I go down. And so I try to allow myself to be a lending ear, a source of compassion, uh, a pillar for for peace because if I just get as emotional as they do, it's just going to probably further their stress in that situation mm-hmm. because they're really in a vulnerable situation. So my job is to try to be 
um, a pillar of sorts, or, you know, one of their roots in their lives to say, hey, you know what, this happens, and it's been happening, and it will probably always happen, but it doesn't always have to be this way, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just my own practices of trying to be centered and being mindful that their pain should not be my pain. Their pain should be my opportunity to create more peace and more solutions in the world. I love the way you talk about taking the pain of others and turning it into fuel to create solutions. I think that's something we can all do in different capacities. And I want to talk a little bit about sexual assault specifically. I know you mentioned that most of the people who attend your classes identify as women. Have you had men who have come to your classes and shared with you that they've also experienced sexual assault? I work because I'm I'm also a wellness coach, so I work very closely with therapists. I will say that oftentimes the numbers for men are skewed, and there's almost this reality that they are actually sexual assaulted more than what people think. And so I've started to become more um, mindful of that. So when people are acting a certain way, one could possibly start seeing that they might have experienced some trauma. So I just try to be open to that and mindful of that. And I think everyone else should be too, because a lot of times people just think it's a woman thing. But a lot of times people often have a lot of history and men, probably more than we think, have had similar situations, if not even more. Uh, One therapist even told me, you would be surprised, it's actually more than women. And it was one therapist, and I don't know, I'm sure it will never be backed by research, but that made me open myself to a lot of realities that people probably are experiencing. Mm. Wow, I would imagine that you're right, that most people perceive that men are not being assaulted as often as women because they're supposed to be bigger and stronger and Because of that, I'm sure there's a lot of shame around, you know, being able to admit as a man that you may have experienced sexual assault. Do you have advice for men who may have experienced assault and they're afraid to speak out or to tell anybody about it? I think the first thing I would encourage is to talk about it. Find a therapist, find a trusted friend, but just to gently, slowly allow that part of your life to be to come up to the surface because we're in a generation of high levels of anxiety and depression. And one circle of thought is that uh, anxiety can be induced by repressed emotions. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't take the time to look inward sometimes to heal, you know, uh, put the wounds where they belong, it will affect your further happiness. It will affect your, your, your future relationships or your current relationships. And sometimes they don't realize why they're so depressed or they're so upset. But um, the post-traumatic stress disorder can, you know, be, be um, you know, be there for many years. Mm. So just encouraging wow. the talk and, and maybe we take an opportunity to, as a culture to continue to move forward and be more sensitive um, about, I think uh, labeling, you know, experiences only to be for one gender versus the other. Uh, LGBTQ plus, uh, they tend to have the higher rates as well. So mm-hmm. it's hard to put anything in a box, really. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's definitely mm-hmm. worth thinking about because when I think about mm-hmm. you know, sexual assault, I'm usually thinking mm-hmm. of someone who identifies as male attacking someone who identifies as woman. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. truth is, mm-hmm. you know, people of all Mm -hmm. genders and sexualities experience this. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I think sometimes, um, you know, 
men, they, again, it's, it's a, a cultural context. I think their ability to voice their feelings has not been so welcomed in the past. And so now we're slowly, this new generation is really encouraging a more healthy uh, way of expression and mm-hmm. openness and honesty. So hopefully we see more healing happen. There, there has been like two incidences that really had me make pause and, and I've used them um, in future workshops because for whatever reason, it really struck a chord to me. There was one woman who like vehemently, you know, in her own way attacked me. I mean, we were colleagues and whatnot, but she said, you know, that's just a bunch of BS. It doesn't work. And she's right, because I want to emphasize that not none of these techniques are ever going to be guaranteed. You don't want to be in that situation. And she told me that in, when she was in Mexico as a girl, a guy came into her bedroom with a gun, and he raped her. And he told her, if you ever tell anyone of the police, I will kill your family. Mm-hmm. And so she told her family, and they didn't believe her. And so in this situation, it's so tragic, he came in again. Mm-hmm. And the way she survived was she, you know, and it's using that wisdom, as you know, most women have. She said, you know what, if you're going to do this, there's condoms in that top drawer. Just grab one. I don't want any STDs. And so she she ended up being a, a, a very successful businesswoman, family of four, um, strong. And um, resi- no one would ever guess this happened to her. Or it could be quite the opposite. Because this event happened to her, she ended up being very strong, resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, like she's a pillar in her community. But she, I do remember that. She came, she cornered me one day. I was telling you, it was a bunch of BS, and I respect that. And, I, and again, as a facilitator, we should all respect that. We're not, we're not selling promises. Wow. Uh, the second story I talked about that really left, uh, you know, a heaviness in my heart was a situation where the the college student was in her dorm and for whatever reason in colleges sometimes we all feel it's a bubble it's safe her door was apparently unlocked or her roommate may have left the door unlocked and so an individual came in through her door with three other young men and their classmates so she knows these faces and then there was that whole bystander effect the three guys were told to watch the door as the other one raped her the mother and her never reported it to the university, never reported to the police, and they moved to another state. And she asked me at the end of the workshop, she's like, what else could I have done? What should I have done? And I told her, you survived, bottom line. Mm-hmm. You survived. You know, and it, that's not a, mo- that's not a, par- uh, uh, that, again, it's just trying to be mindful. Um, it's how do you approach that question? If I said, oh, you should have done this, you should have done this, you should have done this, is that going to help her healing? Because if she paid attention to the workshop, she is going to walk away with several future things to do. But yeah. again, it's just being mindful. I want everyone to know if they've experienced, you know, these traumatic scenarios, it's always the attacker's fault. It's mm. always the attacker's fault. And so we need to always come up with these scenarios with no judgment, you know. Some women are like, well, I was so drunk or I was wearing a short skirt or, you know, I was being flirty. No, absolutely not. It lies on the responsibility of the attacker. So in her situation, I I wanted to reinforce, you did nothing wrong, you know. Wow, thank you for bringing that up. I think it's so important to reiterate to people who have found themselves in a situation where they've been attacked or assaulted 
it is not your fault. It is always the attacker's fault. For people who may find themselves in a compromised situation, do you have maybe advice or tactics that you can share that would help somebody get out of a situation like that where they're being assaulted? Or maybe what are some things that we can do to keep ourselves safe? And so with your question, like what could you do? You just don't want to be in that situation. So if if you are on a college campus or you're in a community, any community, make sure your doors are locked. Um, Like when you're traveling, a lot of people are traveling now. There's those little wedges, those door wedges um, that you remember in school. They would like prop a door open. You can use it in the opposite manner. You can actually wedge the door from the inside out. And Mm. they say that that can actually be just as strong as like a chain, you know. Mm. Um, Random things like your running route. Sometimes the, um, the perpetrators, the attackers, are watching people. And so they watch, they pick who is going to be the least problem. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes they're watching someone. And if you have a common route and you're wearing earbuds all the time and you are by yourself, that might be a recipe for disaster. Like there's a statistic that it's about 18 to 24, that this is the age group that is the highest um, age group for attacks. And if you're in that age group and you're running by yourself with your earbuds on and it's the same route every night, I would caution that and to change the route and just be mindful that you're you're in that age group of being a target. Um, other things is being prepared, like your keys. If you're driving to the grocery store or the mall, make sure your keys are in your hand. A lot of people want to do that Wolverine thing, like they put their fingers in the keys and then they stick one out. And mm-hmm. in all honesty, that is probably going to hurt you more. And you have to get really close to that person. So it's just, you know, all these myths that are out there. The point is you want to get away from that person. You don't need to be a hero. You need to survive. And so people don't realize, and that's the same thing with the knife. You have to be very close to the person for that weapon to work for you. And the way that people hold it, it doesn't make any sense. It's going to hurt you. There's no strength really in how they're knuckling that that, the key. What you could Mm. do is throw the keys in that person's face and then run. Mm. You know, that's a great point, actually. So Mm -hmm. the first, the first response should just be to get away, not to fight back. Mm. sometimes and it's a it's a judgment call like if you need to make a point like if they're you know it's again it's trusting an intake if you need to make a point you know add a strike and then get out of the way but if you have that distance where you can run and clear it then run and clear it don't allow, and that's the thing a lot of people don't realize i can't remember the stats off the top of my head but the the percentage of um the ability to survive after being taken from a site is very low. You want to Mm. stay where the attack is. You don't want to be taken into a car. You don't want to be driven on any freeway. You want to make sure that you don't leave that site. And so, Mm. um, again, it goes back to how will you respond? And a lot of times it's like how we coach athletes. It's that visual, visual training. And so it's like meditation. I will have all the people, their homework to, imagine the worst case scenario your attack what are you saying what are you doing and you rinse and repeat rinse and repeat rinse and repeat and um, eventually you want to hope that that will come out like what would you say and sometimes I'll ask the the participants what would you say and no one really has a response you know and a lot of times people are in the fight or flight 
where, where they're just uh, frozen. And that's fine. But so I coach to breathe and base. Take that breath. Base your legs. Make sure they're in a position that you can move. And so just breathe and base. That's the biggest thing is to coach yourself, breathe and base. Because even even athletes will gas out. You know, their adrenaline's too high. Um, wow. Other things is like um, um, uh, be wary of overly nice strangers. There's a, a marvelous book called The Gift of Fear. I think everyone should read it. And it, it profiles uh, predators. And we've all done it. And uh, it's a great book that just gives basic tips. You know, it's that person that makes you feel guilty about things. And then you kind of succumb Mm -hmm. to, okay, I'll let that person carry my groceries to my apartment. It's those Mm -hmm. little things we turn off over time. Um, The person who wrote the book, um, he's one of the first profilers, I think, for these um, type of attacks. And after he's drilled each uh, interviewee over and over and over, turns out, this response of, I didn't even know what happened. I didn't even know where he came from. It just came out of nowhere. After he's interviewed them multiple times, they start saying, hey, but you know what? There was this moment where I thought, hmm, this is weird. This is off. And then he does illustrate that we tend to turn off these like life-saving instincts often. Wow, this is so good for me to hear. As someone who came from a smaller town in Virginia where you know, I knew most of my neighbors. And when I was out in public, nine times out of 10, there were people in the crowd that I knew. And I just tended to be very trusting. And now living in a big area like Los Angeles, where I'm always surrounded by strangers and people that I don't know, when there is somebody that's being extra nice to me or asking to help me uh, carry a bag or do something, my first thought isn't, oh, this person is dangerous. My instinct is to say, wow, what an incredibly nice person in such a a big, cold, lonely city. Thank you for helping me. Uh, But the fact that a lot of times these attacks are premeditated with people wanting to be extra nice is actually, you know, a little frightening and, you know, probably good to think about in these situations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then again, it goes back to instincts. And then sometimes we're wrong, and that's fair enough. And it's not being asked to live in, like, a world of fear. It's just being aware. And then also it's this, uh, remember, they're they're preying on people. So they're looking for people they think they'll be able to overcome. So it's how we walk. I will coach people in the workshops. How do you walk? Do you have your head down? Are you looking down? Are you making eye contact? Are your shoulders down? There's several research now that's that's showing the body and the mind are bi-directional if you assume a confident posture you eventually will feel more confident so people Mm. who are forced to have to walk alone are you walking tall are your eyes moving around um do you look like you're someone you know people don't want to mess with and if you look at my face i know what i look like i know that i don't necessarily look like i would be in a ring you know and I know that about myself. That's my self-awareness. But I know I know also what I'm made of. And so if something goes down, I know I'm very confident that I would probably react nine out of ten times. And, again, mm. these are because of situation. You never want to say everything is guaranteed. So I just want to say nine out of ten times, I would. Um, mm. So, again, just showing walking with confidence. Eyes are looking around. Head is upright. Uh, making sure you don't look like a victim. And also when you choose your words, make sure 
make sure they think twice because a lot of times they will leave the ones that give them a lot of problems. And mm. going back to saying that it's not, this is never guaranteed. We can never guarantee things. There's been several uh, stories. Like it would be an athlete, a strong woman, someone who is physically muscular, but they will still be overpowered. So we should never have a false sense. Even me as being a martial artist for over 15 years, I should not have a false sense of confidence. I should always, I don't want to be in that situation. First of all, it's traumatic. And who knows how anyone responds to this level of trauma. Could be nightmares, could be drugs. 33% um, respond per the RAIN website, uh, uh, have suicidal thoughts. So mm. we never want to, we never want to be in that situation or try to avoid yeah. it as much as possible. I think that's such a great tip to be mindful of our posture and what it says about our confidence because people do interact with us based on what they perceive. And I can imagine that, you know, someone who's going to attack someone or looking for a victim is looking for people who don't look confident. So we really, whether or not we feel confident, I love that there are things that we can do with our bodies, keeping our shoulders up, looking around to make ourselves at least appear more confident. And you know, it's something I'm definitely going to incorporate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. And think about it when we are not feeling well or we're vulnerable. Notice our shoulders will 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 um will round over, and you tend to go inward, and so that mm-hmm. tends to be a very like weak posture. I wanted to ask, and I don't know if this is a question that you could answer, but you mentioned that a lot of times in your trainings. Uh, there are are things that people do that make you think, oh, this person may have been through some type of trauma or assault in the past. Are there signs or things that we can look for and, you know, mannerisms that suggest that people have been abused or assaulted in the past? You know, I think because I'm not a mental health professional, I think it'd be most responsible not to respond because I am not a mental health professional, but I think just putting the back of their mind that several people we know and love have been uh, abused, have experienced abuse. And so sometimes it's, again, maybe this opportunity for greater understanding and tolerance in the world. You know, people always, right now we're in very divisive times and it could be, you know, it's like that person's this way. Oh, that person's that way. Well, maybe sometimes having that empathy, maybe they operate from a place of pain. You know, so, I mean, usually these workshops can become so exponential because eventually people just want peace, you know. Mm. And so instead of us trying to really put labels on people, maybe just be more understanding and more patient when people are rubbing us the wrong way or being more mindful that maybe people are experiencing a deeper pain than what are let on. Um, because again, the statistics are very high. We're just so quick to judge and we're so quick to get angry and we're so quick to be impatient. But with these statistics, if you said, Hey, that person at work that keeps pissing you off and is a bully at work, maybe I'm, you know, just a hypothetical, but if they were abused and you found that out, you would have more understanding. Yeah. So just, you know, a greater understanding that there are reasons why people do the things we do and, and if you just allow yourself to be um, a good listener without judgment, maybe they open up to you eventually and then you're going to be able to navigate them accordingly. But it could only happen once you make that connection and that that, that yeah. relationship. So I don't know if I answered that 
um, you know, the best way. But it, these statistics alone allow us to be more compassionate and allow us to have some more pause before we judge anybody. Yeah, no, I think that's that's great. It's a great reminder. Always having to constantly remind myself to be compassionate. And I'm actually reading the book, Just Mercy, right now, Brian Stevenson, mm. which is a little bit of a different topic. It's uh, about mass incarceration, but just mm-hmm. remembering that when you look at people and we look at their actions, there are mm-hmm. so many times that there are reasons why people are acting the way that they're acting and yeah. none of us are perfect. So there might be days where I go into work and I have a bad attitude and it's because I just found out that my grandma's back in the hospital and dealing mm-hmm. with chemo treatment and someone might not mm-hmm. know that, but if they understood it, they might, you know, treat me differently. So just the idea that, you know, mercy comes into we're, we're, we, we'd love to be given mercy from others. And so it's nice to give others mercy to the extent that we can. Yes, because I think that it all ties down to the topic of self-defense, because, again, it's just that awareness, creating a culture to ask for help, um, showing compassion to allow people, you know, to come to these events. I think they all eventually, you know, are on the same road, Um, because even last week, just last week, I had uh, a young person come to me, and I was the first person outside of their mother that uh, she confided that there was abuse in her life mm-hmm. and it just these numbers just hit home that we really need to be more mindful um that it's, it's they say one in three but maybe it's one in two mm. that's you so know. so sobering and you know as you mentioned you're you do teach self-defense um, or fight mm-hmm. tactics and you work in the the health and wellness space but you're not a health profession or a mental health professional or somebody that may have experienced some type of attack. And you mentioned the importance of having like a holistic approach to healing. Tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth because I, I don't want to miss <laughs> you. Um, so would you recommend that, you know, people have a conversation with a therapist if possible? Or mm-hmm. I really believe in therapy. I'm a coach. I'm a wellness coach. And so we work with coaches are supposed to work with where you're at today and help you with your tomorrow or help you hold you accountable to your tomorrow we partner with you in your journey therapists are able to go back in your life Mm -hmm. and to see what happened in your past that are affecting your ability to be happy you're peaceful and mindful today so i think they all work in tandem but just sharing the information um, seeking professional help i think is going to be huge for anyone's healing so definitely get help Um, and if you're someone who's in the university most universities now have extensive care programs so there's uh, processes in place to help people get support and I think just encourage no one to suffer silently by themselves because they'll start to realize that it's um, it's part of our it's part of us and it's not a you problem it's an our problem it is our problem Mm-hmm. It's all of our problem, and I love too mm-hmm. how you know you mm-hmm. continue to remind us that it's it's always the attacker's fault, and I I can just imagine being in a situation like that the the shame and the guilt that people mm-hmm. might be feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I've had a case. She is sixty seven, and I was the very first person she's ever confided about the abuse in her childhood. So, you know, again, all these numbers just humble us and, um, you know, everyone has a part. We all have a part. And so this is one way that I, you know, contribute to that conversation. 
And there's several ways. I know the numbers can be scary, but if you really think about it, women, we have, or men, anyone, has all, they have all these uh, weapons. It's they, they have fingers to scratch. They have fingers to poke. They have palms to hit. They have knee, knees to crush. They have feet to step on. You know, the inner thigh and the inner arm, people don't realize it's very painful. So, like, I'll have the participants, like, pinch your thigh right now. It's very painful. Or pinch the inner arm. And that's very painful. Um, people don't realize the nose. Your body will go where your nose goes. So when I teach the palm strike, you know, push upwards towards the nose because the head is the first part of your cerv- of your spine. It's your cervical spine. So if the head tips back, they will tip back. They will move backwards. So you try- that's a, a nice way to off-balance them. And I don't know if you remember as a kid, you know, you play with your ears and you would kind of like palm your ears with your with your hands. You know, yes. have you ever done that? Is that just weird? Yes. <laughs> no, but but think about it. You know, we can you can actually do that too. You know, when you you some of the natural reactions to slap, but if you cup someone, like if you slap them, and if, you know, and you cup their ear, it's actually extremely painful. Because think about it, they're very close to you sometimes. Like they have you in your, it's called like arm's distance. Well, you know, it's checkmate too. You have them in arm's distance too. And they have two hands on you. Well, remember for the act to be done, they're going to need to take off one arm at one point. So it's just being always ready and always aware. And then just do the math. Like eventually, I mean, eventually you're going to have one arm free. And we have hips. A lot of times the attacks are happening within like 5 to 8 a.m. in the morning. So that would be in the bedroom. So um, like a hip exercise is a hip bridge is actually a very popular exercise where you pop your hip up. There's a you can use that same movement to push someone off you. You just pop your hip up as fast as you can to thrust them forward. And, of course, if you took the workshops, they can show you how to to push yourself away and not push them oh. away. You push yourself away. If if someone did want to take your, your workshop, how would they mm-hmm. find you or how would they sign up? Um, I have Live Brave, L-I-V-B-R-V, uh, 24 dot seven at gmail.com i believe we're having an event at the end of march it at the supercharged uh, fitness studio in santa monica and you know you you kind of inspired me i mean it's just based if they ever want to just facetime me i mean i could do uh workshops or little tutorials now with the technology we have you know at the comfort of your own home i would be more than happy to do that and just provide any help or resources that i could for anyone uh, I love that. And I love that you are using your platform to make the world better for everyone. And I know that can get kind of cliche, but to your point, mm-hmm. it's all a problem and, you know, hurt mm-hmm. people, hurt people. You know, Kiara, I've never heard it that way. It was so simple, but yes, it hurt people, hurt people. And it's so true. You know, my husband teases that I'm so, I'm always watching like these Netflix or documentaries on, um, you know, um, sociopaths or criminals and whatnot. And I'm just fascinated by humans and their behaviors. And I've noticed in every documentary I've ever watched, I would nine out of 10 times, that person was hurt mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. And they're lashing out or, you know, and I'm sure that it just gets more complicated. I'm oversimplifying it. But yes, hurt people will hurt people sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I um, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to have this conversation. Um, I've, I've recorded a good number of podcasts now, but you know, this mm-hmm. topic is so near and dear to my heart and so, mm-hmm. so important to me. And as you mentioned, I do know people who have been mm-hmm. victims of assault and how that's kind of not just affected their self-esteem and mm-hmm. all of that, but it really does affect the way that they see the world mm-hmm. and interact with people around them on a daily basis. And, you know, yeah. it's important for us to obviously be mindful and to be paying attention to our surroundings. But at the same time, mm-hmm. we want to be open to love and experiencing the great part of each other too. So I think mm-hmm. this is really great. And, you know, in addition to learning how to protect yourself, I think on the other side of that is learning how to open up your heart again and feel confident mm-hmm. enough to just be in relationship with people. Yeah, absolutely. And you just reminded me, I just had a wellness, a mini wellness retreat this past Saturday. And some of the topics we covered um, were forgiveness, compassion, you know, mindfulness, etc. So people, whatever experience they have, you know, my team and I, we have resources and opportunities for coaching, um, for workshops, for exercises to help people continuously find a purpose-filled life. And I, we're all healing from something. So you just reminded me like, oh, I do offer other things too. <laughs> I offer so many things. Thank you so much, Mary Claire. And I'll make sure everyone has access to your email address. No, my pleasure. And I will definitely follow up because there's great websites and resources. And I'll send you an email so you can let your listeners know that there's all, like, it's not a one-size-fits-all. If maybe something I said is a little hook, but you need a better connection. So I'll give you different resources as well. So maybe they can continue and find their peace or continue to find some, like, solace in their journey. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And have a great rest of your day. Just be honest, 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 just